How many people understand you know, what's a touchdown, what's a field goal, what's offsides mean, all this different stuff, but cannot tell you what puts them into a negative mind space. What is the biggest thing that they're trying to avoid every day so that they don't go into a downward spiral? When they get into a downward spiral, when they're negative emotionally, when they're facing depression and anxiety and stress, what are their skills? What have they acquired? What do they do to pull themselves out of that? And why don't we have the answer to those questions? guys what's going on today we are going to talk about something that my family got in the conversation of over easter slash birthday slash birthday slash anniversary uh we're celebrating a lot of things on sunday together and you know it was really nice we got to spend a good amount of time having solid adult conversation which you know i love with my family absolutely love and we don't get enough of an opportunity to do it uh but you know i'm i'm hopeful now that we are going to, you know, spend more time in the coming years doing that. So what we were talking about is, you know, why things are not taught in school. We got on this topic and we talk about this a lot, especially, you know, my nephews, you know, just switched to a new elementary school. He's going into Olentangy schools and they do things a little bit differently there. And they are starting to work on some of these mental health things and offer classes and do some different stuff like that, which is very cool and very unique. But what we talked about is how, and this is my belief, and you know, obviously I'm not a huge proponent of the way schools are currently being run. Uh, I think that they are teaching a lot of memorization skills and things that are very short-lived instead of teaching life skills and things that are going to last no matter how much uh, things change in the next 30, 40, 50 years. I think we're teaching people for for things that were relevant in the 1980s, 1990s, and those things are just not relevant anymore, right? And we think about this from probably the easiest standpoint is going to be math. We are now surrounded by Google and the most powerful calculators all the time sitting in our pocket and we can pull up Siri and here my series right here. Let's let's see. All right. Here we go. Hey, Siri, what's 2,462 divided by 17? It's about 144.8235. And that's how long it took me. And so why in the world are we teaching division? Why are we going through this? Why are we, you know, going through this process? Like, sure, I don't disagree with just basic understanding of what it is and what math is, but this should be something that's maybe like a one or a two year course, not necessarily something that is just driven home with every student. Now, if they were going to want to go into the sciences or they're going to want to go in deep in computer science and some of these different things then absolutely, they are going to have to take some higher level math. However, we're wasting a lot of time for people who are not going to do that. 
So, you know, nurses, doctors, lawyers, all those people, any of those major professions, right? And then you take the million trade professions or the restaurant industry or things like that. Like, you know, you could have maybe in the past said like, oh, well, a waiter really needs to know math quickly. It's like, well, no, they don't. They literally can have like an Alexa or a Siri or somebody like that just sitting back by their station or everything's just punched into computers now. Half these people, by the time these kids that are in, you know, third, fourth, fifth grade or graduating high school, every restaurant is going to have some sort of a digital ordering platform. There's not going to be waiters or waitresses manually writing things down anymore in 15 years. It's not going to exist. So that profession is just not ever going to need that, right? It's all going to be automatically calculated for them. And this is what I mean when I think about like how we're thinking about educating. And for you parents out there, if you have kids that are in their most educational zone, right? So from you know, four to 10 is a gigantic educational zone. Then there's a different educational zone, I think from 11 to 18 or 11 to 20, where you're learning more, you should be learning more specific skills. But this is what you have to think about. You have to be contrarian in how you think about your education for kids because we have absolutely no concept what the jobs are going to look like 10 or 15 years from now. We are on an exponential growth curve that is continually trending upwards at this enormous rate that nobody can predict or keep track of. There's going to be whole new industries. You know, 10 years ago, you would have sat there and said, you know, taxis and hotels are, you know, mainstays. I just don't know if, I don't know where we're going to go. Now you're like taxi industry is all but dead. Hotel industry is losing 20% market share every single year. And there is certainly a future where hotels either don't exist or barely exist. And, and there's an immediate future where, taxis and even Ubers with people driving you don't exist. And those are all just so if like you're spending your time thinking about what's currently in front of you, you're wasting your time. So what do we think about instead? Okay, what are things that are at a premium right now that you could be teaching kids? And I'll circle this back around in a second. I know I'm getting off on a tangent a little bit here, but communication skills are a number one, right? One of the things that is going to be severely lacking out of this generation, and most of this is going to be time spent on screens versus time spent in communication is going to start to invert, right? Kids will have spent more time communicating with people via screen, via electronics, than they will have spent communicating in person, reading body language, empathy, tone of voice, tact, some of these other things that are extremely important given certain fields, pretty much all the ones we just talked about that don't need math, right? Those are going to be absolutely invaluable. If you are a 20-year-old guy or girl and you can, you know, tactfully have difficult conversations looking people in the eye with self-confidence, you are going to be a rare breed that is hireable across any spectrum of jobs, okay? So that's number 1. Number 2, is thinking about health and wellness, right? So I think there's two ends of this. I think you can teach physical health and I think you can teach mental health. And I think you should teach both of those. I think mental health stuff, coping skills, resiliency, as Jack would call it, 
learning how to recognize downward spirals. This needs to start being taught. It is not currently, to my knowledge, being taught with value and efficiency over the long term at all in any of these public schools. Now, private schools might be able to adopt this, but public schools are not actively teaching this. So that means it is our job as parents, mentors, influencers, however you want to look at that, it is our job to give our kids those skills. Suicide is a serious problem right now. Depression in youth is an even more serious problem. It is growing and it doesn't have any concept of how to get better inside of the school system. You cannot rely on this inside of the school system. In actuality, school is a huge part of the problem just because of social pressures and other things, and they're not teaching any of the coping skills to deal with those. So what we think about then is how are we establishing the fundamentals of mental health, right? I think a lot of you guys understand the fundamentals of physical health. So if we think about that, that's pretty standard, right? You should learn how to eat. If you learn how to eat, that will set up a chemical zone for your body to start to perform well. From there, you have your physical attributes, your 10 general physical skills, right? So strength, power, speed, agility, balance, coordination, oh man, uh, flexibility, stamina, endurance, and accuracy, right? Uh, I'm not sure if I nailed all 10 there, but pretty close. Um, But those are your 10 general physical skills. So we're looking at building each of those, okay? So you can't be stronger than you are flexible. That's a problem. Okay, and we build those 10 general physical skills. Those are the fundamentals of health and wellness. Okay, if we take about talk about fundamentals of human movement, we're talking about deadlifting. So picking something up off the ground, we're talking about squatting, which is both an expression of the joints in your lower body moving with good mobility, flexibility and coordination, but also a great product of strength as we start to look at your entire functional system, as well as standing up. Right. And I also think people don't value squats. If we take squats and lunges together, we're talking about almost everything else is going to be able to be expressed if you can do those things. Right. You're going to be able to run. You're going to be able to jump. You're going to be able to, you know, bike, play, swim, whatever. Right. So uh, deadlift, squat, lunge, push up, pull up. Okay, those are our base fundamentals of human movement. Okay, if you can do those things, then you have variety or, you know, variable growing amounts based on your body weight and your age and all these things. But you should be able to perform those tasks. And if you cannot, you need to work on your fundamentals more. Okay, so that's kind of how we think about you know, general physical health, right? Improve your nutrition, which is going to improve your chemical health in your body is going to help you, you know, build lean muscle mass, reduce body fat percentage, which is just basically a really, really easy snapshot of, you know, general health. Okay. If you have more muscle mass and less body fat, your body is going to be operating at a higher metabolic rate. You are generally going to be healthier than people who are not doing that. Okay. And that's mostly going to be built by how you exercise, how you move and how you eat. Okay. So that should be being taught. Okay. Now degrees of that are going to be need to be taught at different levels. Okay. 
but this stuff isn't. So there's just, if we're just going to talk about school, it should just be a class. You start taking it in third or fourth grade or second grade and you take it all the way through. And we're teaching, there's a module on mental health, module on physical health, module on nutrition, how to eat, how to cook, module on financial health and well-being, right? Understanding debt. I read a story today about a woman who is now homeless because she was expecting to get a $3,100 tax refund or tax. Yeah. Tax refund. Uh, and she was banking on that to pay rent for the next three to four months. She didn't get it. They took it because she has $81,000 in student loan debt. And so she couldn't pay her rent. So her and her daughter are now homeless. And you look at that and it's just like, well, that's just poor awareness of good financial health, right? And there are a lot of people that are taking out student loans who don't understand the ramifications of it, don't understand what all it means in terms of garnishing wages, garnishing, you know, everything from you with total indiscriminate purpose. They don't care if you're homeless. This woman appealed and they've turned her down. And it's like, that's as extreme of a situation as there could be. And she still got turned down. If we have a better understanding leading into college of good financial practices, you might be able to get these kids starting a retirement account at 12, 13, 14. And even if you can get two, three, four hundred dollars into an account each summer from working, you know, summer jobs and just doing stupid stuff. I mean, I did all the stupidest jobs you could imagine when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14. And and but, you know, I look back and it's like, well, you know, my dad was really good. I had to put I, all that money. I didn't even get to see it. It just automatically went into this savings account, which actually is still my savings account today. I started it with Bank One, which is now, uh, you know, got bought out by Chase. But that was a really cool habit that I built from a very, very young age. Once I had enough money, my dad taught me how to put it into CDs. And then it was nice because, you know, as a kid, you want to touch that money. But now you can't. And it's locked up and it's earning percentage interest and you're growing. And it's complicated compounding, so on, so on, so on. Okay. Uh, so I was able, I was lucky to be taught some of those general you know, practices, but there was no discussion about what student loan debt's going to look like on the back end or anything like that. So I'm going to circle this around once we kind of wrap up what I think, you know, are some base fundamentals of this. But if you have this stuff dialed in, okay. So, you know, if we were breaking this down to, into a class, right, we have what, nine months of school. Okay. So let's give it seven weeks, roughly a module, five modules. That's 35 weeks of school, roughly. Okay. Um, you know, module one would be communication skills. I think it's the most important thing that kids can grow right now. And there's a million different ways you can skin that cat, but learning how to speak publicly, learning how to give presentations, communicating about things philosophically, uh, understanding, you know, different things in terms of creative thinking and creative structure, but doing so in a public spoken setting and, you know, grade people on things like eye contact, etc. Okay. Second is going to be nutritional health and chemical health. Okay. That's going to be stuff learning how to eat, learning how to, you know, learning what prescriptions mean and when and where and how you should take them and how not to abuse prescription drugs, how not to abuse things like Advil and Tylenol and what that does to you and what it means. Okay. What supplements you should possibly be taking, you know, looking at your diet from a standpoint of micronutrients and macronutrients. Okay. And obviously that gets a little bit more advanced with age, physical health, learning how to move, learning how to 
lift weights, learning how to exercise properly, learning what metabolic conditioning is, so on. Okay. Learning all those different things about your physical health. And then the big one, guys, is going to be mental health and financial health. Okay. So uh, financial health, obviously, we just touched on a million different things you can touch on from that capacity. And then the last one is going to be mental health. Okay. And this will have a big full circle at the end, but let's talk about the basics, the fundamentals of mental health. Okay. And I think that this is one of those areas that is ripe for growth and development. I am so excited to have Jack come and do this seminar because I think that this is what he's been trying to do. I think the resiliency seminar is a structure for the beginning of a mental health set of fundamentals, a foundation, right? And what we're trying to achieve with mental health is not necessarily perfect mental health because I don't think that that exists. Just like perfect health and fitness doesn't exist. If we zoom in maybe on a six-week time block, you might have like a great six weeks. Everything goes really well for you. You meet somebody, you fall in love, you're happy as can be, everything's good at work, so on, so on. Everything's set up for success and that's amazing, okay? But over the... 10 year block, you're going to have times of depression. You're going to have times where you're down. You're going to have times where you're stressed and anxious. You're going to have times where you don't sleep well and you're struggling with something. You're going to have loss, right? You're going to lose people in your life. There's going to be things that come up that challenge you and the fundamentals, the foundations, good fundamentals of mental health will number one, allow you to recognize when those downtimes start happening. When you start on a downward spiral, okay, what are the big red flags that are going to lead you there? Then they're going to start to give you a strategy of how to pull yourself out. They're going to have some base fundamental things, right? It's just like when we start, I'm, you know, I've been working out, but now I'm really going to take the next step. Okay. You go from two classes a week to five classes a week. Okay. You start upping your game. You start prepping meals. You start taking a couple supplements. You start sleeping more, start drinking more water. You start upping your game. It's the same thing with mental health. Okay. I'm hitting a rut. I'm starting to slip. I'm becoming mentally fat and lazy, right? Let's talk, let's just say that, okay? And it's time for me to kickstart things. What do you do? And right now, I'm going to give you pause to think about that. Do you know what to do? Do you know what your first go-to is? And if you don't, think about how much of a problem that is. Because sure as shit, sure as this woman's going to have to pay her taxes, you are going to experience depression, anxiety, stress, if not worse, coming up in the future. And you need to start thinking about what is my go-to system? What is my go-to process when I start that downward spiral to recognize it and start the process to immediately pull myself out of it? And this is what I loved about Jack's presentation last week was everybody has these down dips, okay? And that down or below the line, right, thinking, if you're thinking about this, there's above the line happiness behavior, there's below the line depression, sadness, um, you know, it's like you get short with people, you know, all, all the bad things, okay? Below the line can just be a blip on the radar. It's like a V, right? It goes down, it comes immediately back up. Okay, we recognize it, we do go into our system, we establish a process, and we're immediately pulled out of it with our own work, our own thought process. Okay. Or you can go below the line and then you can start this slow trickle continuing downwards, even more down, 
even more down. And then maybe weeks go by, months go by, and you slowly start this upward trend. That's no good. That's unacceptable. That's not something that we should ever allow ourselves to face. Okay. But this is all prep. This is all awareness. This is all something that we need to understand better. And I think that this is where coursework could start to come into play. And for those of you guys who know, like I'm not a huge fan it is like if you've been listening, you probably know, but I'm, I'm not a huge fan of school, but I am a huge, gigantic fan of education. Okay. And this is what I'm talking about. When I think about this, we need to educate ourselves on this, on this one thing. Okay. So I'm going to give you some general fundamentals. Okay. The first thing is just going to be self-awareness. Okay. We have to be self-aware if we are not self-aware, if we're not catching ourselves when we start to slip. Okay. When we start to get complacent, when we start to quit things that we should be dedicated to, when we start to seek out short-term pleasure, some of these things, you need to be self-aware that that is the beginning to a downward spiral. Okay. And you can see this easily in others, but sometimes it's really hard to see in yourself because we do, if we do one thing really well, it is to convince ourselves and justify things to ourselves that what we're doing isn't a problem. What we're doing is, is right because we want to do it right. We're really, really good at that. And what you have to think about when this stuff starts to come up, where does my brain go? Does it immediately say, this is a problem. What can I do to fix it? What can I replace that time with? So that's fundamental. Number one is self-awareness. Okay. Fundamental number two is going to be gratitude. And then I think it's framing. Okay. And framing I'm sure has a better word, but let's talk about framing real quick. And this is the conversation I had with Matt LaMonica in the car the other day is I've been getting a lot of people that have said, Oh man, I'm really sorry about your septic. That sucks. And when Matt and I were talking about it, my initial reaction was I'm actually really happy that it happened to me. I'm really happy that this experience is going to allow me to learn so much from it. And I'm, I'm just in this boat of, I am so young and you, I have so many years ahead of me. I have 50, 70 more years ahead of me to own a home, to make decisions, to take risk, to do these other things. And if you start thinking about it, like you're fading or like you're, you're drifting or like you need something now, you are just fooling yourself at 34 years old. So I look at it now as like my goal for the next six to 10 years between 34 and 45 is to accumulate as much knowledge and skill in as many different areas as physically possible so that I am just equipped with this massive, massive toolkit of awareness and skills and, you know, mental strength, just learning. Okay. And so I immediately framed that as I'm actually glad that this happened. And now if I was in a more negative space, if I was unhappy, if I was depressed, if something else wasn't going well, you know, let's say, let's say friendship had, has been, had been doing really poorly and, you know, something happened and my coaches were quitting and, and we were just doing really poorly. I might not have received that that way. 
because I might have already been in a downward spiral. And when we're in a downward spiral, self-awareness starts to become even harder, right? You, you don't see it even worse. You don't see it coming. You're not aware of it. So I might have then taken that news and been like, man, you know what? Like, fuck this. Like, this is such bullshit. Why is this always happened to me? You know, this is it's just like, this is such a, such a stupid problem to have. And, and you can dive into all of this negative self-talk and you can try to justify it. I'm just going to, I'm going to sell it and screw it. And I'm just going to move on. I'm not going to face the adversity. I'm not going to learn from it and just whatever. Right. And if I take a loss, I take a loss and it is what it is and you can get that way if you're already in a downward spiral but I recognize that that could have been a trigger that could have been something that led me to a downward spiral and instead you try to frame the question differently you try to frame the problem the adversity that you're going to face you have to frame it differently because adversity given to you Right. And that's how I like to look at adversity adversity is given to you and we have to be in a positive place. We have to be in an upward spiral or above the line mentality to be able to grow and learn from that adversity. And if we're not, if we're in a downward spiral or we're already below the line, adversity no longer is a good thing. It no longer is something that we're going to learn from. It's something that's going to perpetuate that system even deeper. It's going to push you down even more. And so we have to recognize that and we have to keep that quickly in tune and in line and in proper framing so that when we face adversity, we don't allow it to push us down. We don't allow it to push us below the line. And if we are below the line, we have to be aware of that and start to really do some work to pre-frame those questions. There's a million different ways that you can do that right? You can write down things in a journal. You can speak in the third person. You can have people around you that support you, that know this about you, right? That know that maybe you're in a downward spiral and you need some help. Okay. There's a lot of different things that we can play. And this is what I'm really excited to learn from Jack's seminar is some skills, some drills, some tips, some tricks to start to arm my own below the line mental place with, you know, some better tools to crawl out of it. Right. So I kind of think about it visually, like there's like a well and I've fallen into the well. And if I arm myself with like climbing hooks for feet and a bunch of, you know, those big things that people climb mountains with the big hooks, the picks, um, and you know, I've got a carabiner and a rope and all this stuff set up. It's like, man, when I fall down, I just like pop, 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 bounce right back up. I'm good to go. Okay. No problem. And the more tools I have, the more ways I can find to get out of that well and the faster it's going to be and the more efficient it's going to be. Okay. But we're not teaching this. We're not thinking about this as something that is, has fundamental fundamentals. Okay. And we, we do talk about some of the little tips and uh, tricks and the skills and the drills. Okay. We talk about writing gratitude cards. Okay. We talk about, you know, talking about the, the, your favorite three things or one, one thing you learned at the end of the day, one thing that you were happy that happened. And then this is a big one, guys. I really like this one. I've started doing it. Something you're really excited for tomorrow or something you're really excited for today. You do it in the morning. Okay. I guarantee you, if you start doing that, if you start saying, I am really excited to do this today. Okay. I'm going to look at a building today. I'm I'm really excited for that. Well, guess what that's going to do when I show up to that building, I'm going to be excited. I've put it on my list. I've put it in my brain as something that to be excited about it's there. 
then when I show up, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to look forward to that all day. And it's a simple, that's just a simple little thing, right? If you're having a tough time with something, try to look at your day as something that you're looking forward to. Maybe even it's you're looking forward to see somebody. Maybe it's, you know, I'm going to the gym tonight and I'm really looking forward to get my workout in. It doesn't need to start big. It just needs to start with you putting yourself in the process of working towards doing these little habit drills, okay? And putting yourself in the habit of working on yourself mentally, right? Like just spend some general conscious thought on I'm actually going to work at how I think about this. I'm actually going to work at my mental process every day. And when you think about it that way, like it's, it's crazy that we don't do this. It is crazy that there isn't some common language between all of us that we can sit there and say, yeah, use the, you know, the, I'm just reading things off my desk. Use the up and up method, right? You know, 13 pocket up and up method, right? Like use that. And, and like, and everybody's like, oh yeah, boom. Yeah. 13 pocket up and up method. Yeah, for sure. I knew I do need that. I need to get back on that. Right. Whatever it is. And we have this common language, just like you and I have a common language of, you know, Hey, you want to be, you know, you want to do the open prescribed in all the workouts next year. It's like, awesome. That means you got to be able to do, you know, I'm just going to speak guy terms here. You got to be able to do a 135 thruster. Need to work on getting your first couple bar muscle ups and then linking two together. You got to do a lot of burpees, right? You got to be able to do, um, you know, squat cleans at 225 and you got to be able to do this and that and this and that, right? And we can sit there and I can say those terms and you immediately know in your head, okay, cool, right? I have to achieve these things to be able to do that. And then the next conversation is, okay, how do I achieve those things? And I might say, here's what I want you to do. You know, I want you to do five by five touch and go squat cleans every day, you know, after class or three days a week after class, building from, you know, 185 this week. And then next week you're going to go 187 and a half. The next week you're going to go 190 because we're, you know, 30 weeks from the open and over 30 weeks, if you add two and a half pounds every week, that's going to get you up, you know, 50 pounds or whatever. Right. So we can talk about then the process of how you achieve that. It's measurable. Okay. And this is something that we think about when we think about logging and journaling. I listened to a great podcast the other day with Tim Ferriss and the guy, I think it's Jim Collins who wrote good to great. And he talks about how he logs his days. He logs it as a two, a one, a zero, a negative one, or a negative two, right? Positive two is a great day. Positive one is a good day. Zero is an average day. Negative one is a bad day. Negative two is a day that he never wants to live again. And what he did then is he did this every day for years. Okay. What you can do then is you can sort your days and look at all of the negative twos. What was common on those days? What did I do? And how do I never do that again? And he had commonalities between these. He wasn't reading and he wasn't writing. Now, granted, he's a researcher and a writer. Okay, so that's his chosen profession. And on his negative two days, he was forced into going out to eat with people and spending time meeting with people. And he was not able to read and write. And that was what caused his negative two days. Okay. His positive two days, his best days were days that were very loose in structure where he could read for six hours if he wanted to, or he could write for six hours if he wanted to. He had very, very limited interactions. It was just him and his wife at their home, and he was free to do whatever he wanted. 
So what he started to do is he started to just gently say no to things that were causing his negative two days because he was able to recognize the trends of what caused those after he only logged them. Now, if you don't log this, you will never know that ever. You'll never be aware of it. There is no way to be aware of that. But after he logged them, he was able to start adjusting his life. And if you can imagine that, a couple of no's here, a couple of extra perfect days there. And now what he does is he can set target goals. Last year, I had 32 negative two days and I had 40 positive two days. My goal for next year is 50 and 20. My goal for the year after that is 60 and 10. And then he might get to the point where he no longer has negative two days. He only has negative one days. Think about how much happier of a person he is going to be. How cool is that? Like, I I thought that was so unique. And then he started to think about how he logs his creativity time. He found that his all of his positive two days had creativity time dialed in. And so, he, again, he's a writer. OK, so he's thinking creatively. And so what he started to do is he logged his creativity hours every day. And then he set a goal and he says this is true for everybody. And so you should listen to the podcast if you're interested in this. But I believe he said a thousand hours a year. You have to have a thousand hours a year of creativity time. If you don't have that, you will not be advancing, progressing, developing as a person or professional, personally or professionally. Okay. And so I think about this a lot. I think about it almost every day. That really stuck with me. And then he said, then your goal every year is to give yourself more time. And he looks at creativity time as time working on himself, right? I look at creativity time, how he talks about creativity time is time working on your own mental health and well-being. Okay. So that might be for me right now doing the podcast that counts as creativity time. I am creating this and also working on my own mental process for it. Okay. So he logs these things, conversations with people that are deep in nature. Sean Suttle and I had a great conversation the other week really helped me mentally get to a better place. I developed from it. That's creativity time. Okay. And so, but start, if you log this stuff, then we have some measurables. We have, we have some better awareness coming from that. We're going to grow and develop as a person from it. So I liked that mentality, but we're not teaching any of this. This is the big takeaway from this guys is if you're not there, if you're just not growing and developing, where do you start? And a lot of people just don't know that. And unfortunately, we're setting our youth behind because we're not telling them where to go for it. They don't know what to read. They don't know what courses to take. Teachers are not directing them the right way. They're not sending them on the appropriate path to learn these skills. If you're a teacher... And I don't mean this like in a, in a harsh way, because I know teaching is a number one, a profession that I respect immensely. It's what I wanted to do with my life. And I think I am teaching just in a different way to a different subset of people. But teaching is really challenging for a couple different things. I think you're handcuffed because you're told what you can teach and what you can't teach a little bit. Right. But then I also think that teaching takes a lot of different you know, eyes or it takes a lot of different uh, paths. Okay. So we think about this and I think about this, this question all the time. This is a question that was posed to me when I was, you know, finishing my undergraduate degree and looking at being a history teacher was ethically, is it more important for you to teach a student your subject matter material 
Or is it more important to talk with them about the conflict that they are currently facing in their life and give them the skills to work through that? And it's a challenging question as a teacher, because if you're actually really trying to help the student, I think that you would think it's the latter. I think that you would think that actually helping a student emotionally work through problems is significantly more important than teaching them your subject matter material. However, when you're given 30, 60, 90, 100 students, that becomes extremely challenging, right? It's overwhelming to a point. This is why there should be teaching or things dedicated to the specific teaching of these fundamentals, right? Gratitude practices, framing stuff, right? All of these things have measurable and real actual results that now can be studied. Why is this not more of a conversation? Why is this not something that we're all working on? Why is there not a common language? If we sit there and we talk about Game of Thrones or Avengers Endgame or, you know, The Office or Seinfeld, I can peg 50 people in the gym who will know quotes from those TV shows, those entertainment movies. And I, there's a million different ways that we can talk about this. Same thing, sports, right? We can talk about how many people understand you know, what's a touchdown, what's a field goal, what's offsides mean, all this different stuff, okay? And how many people understand that but cannot tell you what puts them into a negative mind space? What is the biggest thing that they're trying to avoid every day so that they don't go into a downward spiral? When they get into a downward spiral, when they're negative emotionally, when they're facing depression and anxiety and stress, what are their skills? What have they acquired? What do they do to pull themselves out of that? And why don't we have the answer to those questions? And if you don't have the answer to those questions, why is that not number one on our plate? Why is it not the first thing we're working towards? That's why when we developed the new fitness, health fitness pyramid, we put mental on the bottom. Because if you are not actively working on it, you will fail. You will fail on a long enough timeline. Sure as shit. There is absolutely no question. You will be more unhappy, more stressed, more anxious, more negative, more depression. You are going to find those things because they find us all. And then the only way we get out of it is from learning these skills, learning these mechanisms and being aware of it. All right, guys, first lawn mowing of the year is going to end up shutting the podcast down for today. But I think that that's a good ending point and something to leave you guys to think about. And if you guys are parents, if you're teachers, if you're influencers, and what I mean by influencers, guys, is if there are people who trust you and people who listen to you, if you're a boss, if you're you know a teacher, a coach, if you're a parent, right? People rely on you. People rely on you to show them the direction for things, okay? And this has to be something that we are working on, a common language we're growing together, something that we are working to get better at. This is why I am bringing all of these, the mental seminars, the stuff that Jack's doing, I'm bringing this to our coaches. I'm bringing it to our community because I believe that if we all work on this, if our whole staff is getting better at this, then they are on average going to come in, have much happier life, be much better coaches, be more with it for you guys, and start to help to show you guys how you can start to path your mindset a little bit the right way. 
but we have to start with the education. We have to start with the fundamentals. We have to start learning these things. And we have to, number one, just realize that there's something to learn. There are things, there are studied skills now that we can actively put into practice. We talked about some of them in this podcast. There's lots of them. And if you're going to build one skill over the next year, I'm going to tell you that it's this. Because once you have a strong mental place, then discipline with eating, discipline with exercise, pushing yourself beyond your own limits, both physically in the gym and generally in life, it becomes easier. It becomes better. So let's start diving into this stuff, guys. Let's start being a little bit obsessed about it, right? Let's become experts in our own mental health. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 